and welcome back to the Alt F4 podcast. This is your host, Brandon, coming to you from the studio just slightly after Thanksgiving. Um, today, we're going to talk about nothing. Well, not really nothing, but in 1989, a show called Seinfeld debuted, and it was commonly called a show about nothing. Um, I was looking at Jerry Seinfeld's notes on the show, and he said that the original pitch for the show was how a comedian gets material for stand-up. So it was, in translation, I guess you would say, it was uh, from observation into jokes. That's why there were so many like little things that happened throughout the day that sort of built the entire episode while it was going on. And uh, it's also part of why it was so irreverent in that uh, he was trying to make a point that um, essentially you see something and you think something, but you don't often say something or act out something. And that's really what was happening in all those episodes. So, it was a big influence in my uh, life of humor, I guess you will say. And since we're building up to Festivus, we might as well keep the theme going with Seinfeld. So, as I said, um, I'm recording this just after Thanksgiving, but I was writing my show notes in the quiet of the Thanksgiving weekend mornings, and my body is still on work time so it was common for me to wake up around 4 30 or 5 and there, while everyone else was sleeping in till 9 10 sometimes even later you know that's a number of hours I had to just sort of do my own thing which is what I do commonly on the weekends anyway so Anyway, I sat down and penciled out some stuff that I wanted to talk about in terms of nothing. So we'll start with uh, Black Friday, since we have a Thanksgiving theme going. And we've tried the late Thanksgiving, early morning uh, Black Fridays before, and I, I guess I really found it lacking. It used to be... I would look forward to getting the newspaper on Thanksgiving morning, you know, and, and it was, it was thick. I mean, in the days of, uh, of a four five, or sorry, four to six page sort of main section and, you know, maybe 20 pages overall, which was, has been the last, uh, probably 10 years or so, you know, the Thanksgiving edition is two inches, two and a half inches thick because it's full of all the ads for Black Friday. And for the most part, there's a lot of stuff. Even the Sunday edition, I enjoyed kind of perusing through the ads. But most of it I didn't care about. Because I often felt, even with the coupons, they were coupons for things that we were never going to buy. Or we didn't routinely buy. Um, frequently, they're sponsored by these big conglomerate type companies that own multiple brands in the food and health and beauty space. Uh, but if you think about it, like, you know, I was 
I, this isn't true, but you know, buy buy a two pack of Crest toothpaste, get one free or whatever. No, those aren't necessarily that bad, but really, I mean, how much toothpaste do you use, right? Or I think more more poignantly, um, you know, buy this name brand soup, get four for a dollar and one free or something like that. Well, we don't buy a lot of those things. And so over the years, I guess I, I just stopped paying much attention to those types of ads in general, because they were almost always products I didn't care about. And, and if you're value shopping, like me being a frugal person, oftentimes the value of the store brand or whatever is significantly is to the point that you're either when you use those coupons, you're not getting um, any significant deal over just buying the store brand. I realize that there are some quality differences and other characteristics that may make the name brand better, but not to the point where it's worth it for me. So my point with all that being was, yeah, the newspaper would come, it would be really thick and would be full of ads including ads for places that didn't routinely run ads. And so I would be, I would like to look at things like, um, I mean, Home Depot did routinely run ads, but Home Depot would run ads or Sportsman's Warehouse or, uh, and they would sometimes run ads too, but, but even more local places that, that Thanksgiving was the only time they would have an ad in the newspaper. And, with the Black Friday deals, you know, I would like to look at and see, oh, you know, here's here's this television for $100 or $150 or, you know, some other really sort of outrageously cheap price. But I'll talk here about my experiences with Black Friday now coming up. I think the last time I really went out in earnest... Uh, this would have been in the late 1990s. I went to Montgomery Wards to look at a, a surround sound system. And so this was the time, you know, before personal electronics and like iPods and digital streaming services were sort of out there. I mean, there was Napster and things, I think. I didn't really use it, but there were things like that. Uh, there were no real devices to capture it other than your computer and high-speed internet was not really much of a thing and anyway so so the biggest electronics out there were really getting these um, big screen TVs we used to call it you know with a surround sound system and everything and uh, Montgomery Wards had one I went out I think at 4 a.m. and uh, looked around and found they were already sold out you know when I got there so that was one of many different <laughs> disappointing experiences with Montgomery Wards it seems like every time I went there they didn't want to sell me anything I it was either that same year or 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 same era for sure um, we were looking at another system from at Montgomery Wards and we couldn't get credit for it. We applied. We couldn't get it. Uh, another time I was there, I was buying a cordless telephone. If you remember having a landline 
and cordless phones were all the rage. This would have been earlier. This would have been in the um, probably early, early to mid 1990s. And I remember they wanted 10 or $20 more. So it would have been probably something like $60 versus somewhere else at 40 or $50. And they were advertising price matching. And so, um, I said, well, Hey, at, at Walmart, they have this for $40 and they said, Oh, do they? So the sales clerk, he gets on the phone and he calls some number and gives him the model number and, and then gets off the phone and he says, I'm sorry. He said, they're selling a, a different model at that price. So we can't price match it. And, you know, I was kind of upset about it truthfully, but, um, what I learned from that was th these stores, they, they start getting these proprietary models, right? I mean, some of this has changed in that price matching has become much less structured. Like I don't, I haven't ran into situations where they're actually looking up and comparing model number to model number. My experience has been, oh, it's it's at this price for the at this place. Okay, with a manager override or something, it's it's cleared. But um, point being was, you know, I was at the store. I was trying to use the policy, and it was really a policy that wasn't usable when you're not comparing apples to apples. When when these larger stores now, and I think you know some. Some examples of them are like the home improvement stores. Oftentimes they're getting proprietary models to them versus what you could buy at a, maybe a tool store or maybe a national hardware store or a lumber yard or something like that. And these are the things that make them sort of price competitive, if you will, because these models that are going into the the larger box stores have lesser components in them. I've I've heard that verified from several sources, including on the Fine Home Building um, podcast, that they do make different models, but they 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 look the same, or yeah, they make different versions of the same model. Um, that have different components inside and have, generally speaking, a lesser quality of of build. So what I did learn from this was, um, from this experience of Black Friday, was it really wasn't worth it. And I, I haven't, that wasn't the only time I went out, but that was really the last time I went out with trying to buy something in mind. Like, I'm going to get this thing because it's a really good deal and so on and so forth. Um, so I would say, you know, I became wise and weary and it, it's just not worth my effort at this point. I don't think you really get um, what you pay for. And certainly it's not worth the hassle of going out there only to find out that it's already sold out for sure. I think the last time my family went out was in 2020. Um, my kids were of the age where they were really excited. Hey, it's Black Friday. Hey, there's these TVs that are, you know, super cheap. And hey, everyone's out there. And so, you know, they were probably in their 
they were in their um, early teens at that point. So we went out. I think you know we went out actually after midnight. We stayed up late. This is when uh, opening on Thanksgiving started to become a, a thing, if you will, because it used to be Black Friday was early morning, you know, start at four or what have you. But then it sort of migrated to, oh, it's Thanksgiving afternoon. We're opening for Black Friday now. Um, so we went out, we stayed up late. We ended up, I think we got home a little after 3 a.m. after having uh, dinner at some 24-hour diner chain or something. And um, I think what they, they found out with that was that you know, it really was a lot of hype. It wasn't as fun as we thought, as they thought it was going to be. It wasn't, you know, all these deals that they thought they were going to see. It wasn't, it was just staying out late and buying stuff. And I know we did do some Christmas shopping and things like that, but, um, it just, it was pretty much to them and it wasn't even their money either. Right. So to them, it was, Hey, it's going another day of shopping, which who really wants to do that, especially at 2 a.m. in the morning? Nobody. Well, no, I shouldn't say nobody, but not me, not them, you know. Uh, so I think they got that out of their system and found out that it was really disappointment and regret <laughs> was probably a bigger descriptor of, of the event. I will say there was there was one memorable Black Friday I have in my in my head, and that was our first um, Thanksgiving weekend in South Carolina. So this would have been two thousand one. That particular year, um, my in laws flew in from Oregon, and this was our first year living in South Carolina. We, on Black Friday, we did go out, unfortunately, to some stores. We didn't go out super early, though. But we did do some sightseeing as well. And one of the places we ended up at was actually Lowe's Motor Speedway. And um, that was near a really big mall in the area called the Concord Mall. So we uh we went to the motor speedway really just to see it and they had all the vendors out there uh souvenir vendors and they had a deal where if you purchased $50 worth of merchandise they would give you a voucher and you could drive your car onto the track so um my having you know having being sightseeing being black friday being all these things we purchased several times uh, more than $50 worth of souvenirs and uh, took our car out on the track at Lowe's Motor Speedway. So that was really cool. They they actually would let you go as fast as you wanted. You did have to sign a waiver that, you know, whatever happened was your responsibility. And, of course, the car you drove in was hopefully going to be the car you drove home. So... You really didn't want to risk it too badly, but if you had the opportunity to get your car going, then why not do it? Um, the thing I found with this, I think I only got it up to about 80 miles an hour because everyone in the car was too scared for me to go faster, but you also couldn't necessarily go as fast as you wanted because 
you were on the track with a hundred other cars. And so someone might, might be wanting to go 30 miles an hour and someone wanted to go 130 and just depending on where you were and how much you wanted to risk it, you know, in a passing move and all those sorts of things was, um, how aggressive you could actually be on the track. And I guess the one other thing that really impressed me was you can't see the banking when you're watching it on TV like you can when you're actually on the track. And the banking is pretty steep. I mean, I think it's 15 degrees, but when you look at it, it's it's like you're going to slide off, you know. But anyway, that was the one black friday experience i would say that was really quite interesting and worth it although i'll say it wasn't a traditional black friday so maybe it doesn't really count but um now my kids are in their teens and you know we've kind of gotten that out of our system if you will hopefully i figured i better do something more productive than just sit around now I did watch a lot of football on the weekend. I watched NFL on Thanksgiving. I watched college on Saturday. I watched NFL on Sunday, NFL on Monday. But you know me, I don't want to, I want to do more than just watch TV. I mean, that's a waste of life, especially four days off. Now I did need some downtime too, because it's been a long haul through the summer and everything and I feel like I feel like I've been on pin I had been on pins and needles and um you know getting through the celebration of life for my mother-in-law I was very unsure about how that was going to go and and just just really stressed I guess so I did I did need some downtime and I thought there's a couple things I have on the agenda to do I I want to brew some beer. I have four kits and two kegs ready and waiting. But uh, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen over the Thanksgiving weekend. And so I figured I want to do something different than being in the kitchen. So uh, I said, well, let me, let me get working on this sofa table. Now, the table that I want to build is going to go in my office. It's the final sort of piece of furniture and the the intended purpose of the table is to move my stereo system in here so that I can finally get the hi-fi sound I've always wanted to a place where I can use it and I can turn on the radio and listen rather than the TV and watch, you know. So um, I have a plan. I, I drew up a plan. I it's based on the available space that I have and the space I need to get all the different components in here, including the record player and all that stuff. Um, and I even had some of the lumber started. I think I, I cut it in half, if you will, uh, to do the rough stock work probably two years ago. Or I don't know if it was two years, but about the time probably right after I finished my office um, or a couple months thereafter. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But point being is some of the lumber has been in my shop for a long time. In fact, 
it's been in the shop for a long time before that because the board was in the shop as a result of uh, the remnants of my pantry cabinet build, which if you'll go back to my blog was uh, the very beginning of 2020. So it was the, it was the winter of 2020 that I was doing that work. And so um, the whole reason it was in there was because my wife wanted another shelf. I only built one shelf for the adjustable shelf in there and she thought she wanted two. And I said, well, let's just wait and see how one goes and then I'll build another one later. Of course, you know how that goes. I didn't get around to it. So, so that three inch, I think it was three inches thick board has been in in my shop for several years now. Um, don't tell her I didn't think it was necessary. So that was part of why I delayed because I was the one that put all this stuff in there. And, you know, uh, there's a thing with shelves or backpacks or luggage or whatever. The more pockets you have, while it might look cool in the advertising, the, m- the less practical it is because by the time you fill up all those pockets, you've lost all the room in the interior space. And so we're storing things like jugs of vinegar and um, our uh, crock pot and, and some sizable items in there. And if I were to divide, to divide the space instead of into two spaces, i.e. one shelf, into three spaces, i.e. two shelves, then, you know, you reduce the height of that opening by um, 15 divided by 3, right? You're going to have, sorry, not 15. 36 divided by 3 is 12 versus 36 divided by 2 is 18. Each one of those shelves is reduced by 6 inches. So, um, anyway... Once I sort of figured out I wasn't going to do that, the boards have been in there forever because the sole purpose of them being in there were they were going to become part of my sofa table. So now this project, I I aim to make it nice, um, but I don't want to invest a ton of time into it. So really what I'm trying to say is it's going to be fine woodworking. And if you don't know what that definition is, it's it's really... Um, joints with wood and no fasteners or as minimal number of fasteners as possible. Um, so I intend to do mortise and tenon joinery. I intend to have a taper on the legs. It's going to be tall because it sits to the back of the, um, couch height. And, and so, you know, I will finish it. I either I'll use, uh, some stained Danish oil I have, or I have some water-based polyurethane that I was starting to put on my kitchen cabinets that my wife wanted painted white. So I ended up painting them instead, but I have some polyurethane I might use. I'm not sure how I'm going to finish it yet, but, but anyway, it's going to be fine woodworking. It's going to be all jointed with glue. It's going to have a finish, but you know, it's not going to have anything other than basic shape. So I'm going to have taper legs and in a simple top and it's really going to be simple and hopefully that means it's going to be relatively quick to finish um so that's that's sort of i think 
it'll be nice, but it won't be something that you would say, oh, I must, you know, I would pay a lot of money for that. No, it's going to look like probably someone built it at a wood shop, <laughs> which is what it, what it is. Um, so as I was working on that over the weekend, I was milling the legs out of the pieces that I had. And I, I was thinking, you know, I should take some pictures of that for content. And then, um, I'm going to shift gears here for a minute and then hopefully this will hopefully make sense by the time we get to the end here. But I do listen to other podcasts as I alluded to many times. Uh, I haven't talked a whole lot about some of the woodworking ones that I listen to. And there's one of them in particular that is a group of three different guys that are all content generators of their own business. And so they, what that means is they run their own woodworking businesses. I think they're primarily YouTube oriented, but, um, nevertheless, they all have their own websites. They're all familiar with making media and they get together in this, this semi-regular podcast. It, I think it boils down to about two a month usually. And sometimes they don't just talk about woodworking. They actually talk about their content generation business. And sometimes they talk about that as well as uh, their own interests. So for instance, um, when you do something for a living, do you find joy in it or do you make time to do it outside of quote work? And the consensus answer is they don't. So what I'm trying to say is they spend their working days woodworking and editing and, and all those kinds of things that go along with content generation. But, but when they're not in the quote working hours, they're not doing that. Now I think part of that's because if you needed a table or a chair or whatever, you could make a project, execute it during your work day, film it, whatever, and um, the finished result would not only be something for your business, but also something that you wanted to make, you know, for, for that spot in your house, if you will. But also there's this other sort of overriding factor of no once you spend all day doing it every day you might love it but you also need to do other things as a as a normal human being right uh they had they did comment though in one particular episode they were talking about that there is something freeing about not having to stop and take video so i guess i should say it's not a hundred percent no just like anybody right whether it's your parents calling you about computer questions or, you know, someone wants an opinion on this or that, it's sort of your field of expertise. And so therefore, you do end up doing some things sometimes. Maybe they're mostly repair or what have you. But the point being on that is that they they still love what they do. It's It's the things that you do to make a living that sort of take some of that extra joy out of it. Like, like the video and the editing. 
And so that's where I'm falling here in this conversation is that I just got into making the table because I wanted to spend some time uh, doing something productive. I, I honestly, I forgot about taking any pictures or video as I was milling up the legs and I still have plenty of work to do here with this project. So it's not over by any means, but I actually made the deliberate choice to not, uh, not take or not think about making content out of this project, at least where it is right now. Um, because I just was enjoying what I was doing and I didn't want to have to think about it. And the truth is, is even though in a lot of my projects, I'd like to have documented them better. I forgot to do it because I was in the moment of doing it. Like with sighting, I I know I, I made a video that was how to make, um, sighting holders cheap. And it was just bending some Simpson strong ties or clips into various shapes so that I had a consistent spacing on my boards. And I was so excited to to test them out that I actually ended up nailing them and everything and forgot to <laughs> capture the video that I needed for the end of end of what I was doing. Now I had I went back and fixed that, if you will. But um the point being is that there are have been often times and that also includes my roofing video where I got 90% of the way done with it and then I forgot to film the rest of it because I just wanted to get it done. And I think that's possibly the difference between an amateur and a professional. If that were my job, making content, then you better believe that I better be on it in terms of getting that stuff documented while I'm doing it. But really what I'm trying to do is document it while I'm trying to accomplish another goal, which then sometimes makes me forget about documenting it because I'm so focused on finishing, um, what I'm doing. So there's a school of thought that, that says making, making your passion, your job will kill the passion. And I guess I understand the point, but I respect, I reject the premise since the majority of our awake life is working. I mean, if I look at my schedule, I wake up at five, I officially clock in at 6 AM and I finish at usually around two thirty to three. So that's five to three or 10 hours that I'm at my desk doing something that I really don't want to do quite frankly. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is if my passion was sitting at my desk doing software engineering type work, then I guess I would be super happy, but I think it would be better, quite frankly, to have a job doing something that you want to do from the outset and then, uh, spending your life working it, even if it potentially ruins the hobby aspect of it. So at least for me, fortunately, I have multiple interests. So if I just stick with woodworking for a minute and say, let's say I was a a woodworking content generator. Yeah, it would probably kill my 
after hours desire to do it or contracting maybe that's a better um, analogy but I have other things that I'm interested in doing too like it wouldn't it wouldn't affect my uh, going to the range time for instance or you know wouldn't it probably wouldn't affect cooking unless I wasn't home to actually cook but um, but why not have a job in your passion I guess so I guess, um, you know, what I do here really is content generation. And I, I think it would be a dream to spend my days doing all the things that I need to do and get paid for it. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing without getting paid right now is I'm documenting all the things that I do. Not all the things I'm documenting some of the things that I do and using those for, articles that I write on a daily basis or podcasts or making videos or, or what have you. Um, it would be a dream that that would turn into my real job, if you will. So, um, what I'm getting at here is that, you know, it may make certain aspects there, there are certain aspects of this project that, that may make content, but just feeling guilty about not making content and taking time for myself, I don't here in this case because of multiple things. First of all, I'm just milling stock. So this is the same with every project. The, the only difference is what dimensions will I use will depend on the plan that I'm actually making. I've talked about milling wood before and I don't think it makes real compelling content anyway. Um, I may want to sort of quasi document the, the different stages for one final post and that might be something that I do. I, I don't know yet. Um, but until, and, and that's really the, a lot of the real work. I mean, figuring out how to get the best cuts out of the board, how to get them to appropriate dimensions with the right the way the grain is running and working around bad areas now this is all fur that was is from a tree that we cut down so it's it's not 100% clear it's not 100% defect free but it has a story and that story is that it came from this property and it's something I have so I don't feel like going out and buying lumber or anything when I've got a huge stack of this fur here. It'll fulfill the utility role and all that that goes with it. So um, I may do that. But but coming back to my, circling back to my point here is that I don't feel guilty about documenting every single aspect of everything that I do because uh, this, is, this one was for me. Uh, so... All right, so let's move into the conclusion here. Every time I do a project in woodworking, I get a little better. Um, I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I'd like to be because I don't spend enough time doing it. Um, 20 years ago, before kids, I imagined I would spend every night in the shop and I would build these amazing pieces of furniture for the pure joy of it, not necessarily as a business, but 
coming to the realities of life here 20 years later i mean i do have a kerosene heater in my shop so it it will warm up um but it's cold to go out there it's hard to get motivated when bedtimes for me is like 9 p.m i start fading more like after dinner so 6 p.m i start feeling the, the the dinner the food kick in then there's the other potential responsibilities of life you know with kids and they have a propensity to stay up till midnight or two in the morning or whatever and so life doesn't always stop just because it because i wish it would go one way versus the other um but uh you know what i'm trying to say here is that those moments that I do get to practice, I want to take advantage of them. So, uh, so I hope that this becomes a piece that I'll be proud of. My, my first real piece of woodworking as a quick aside was my reloading bench. And that took me about <laughs> two years or so to build. And once again, it wasn't that I didn't want to spend the time. It was just life was busy. And I have to remove some of those uh, toolbox fallacies as well. Like just because I only have half an hour doesn't mean I shouldn't use that half an hour. I often tell myself, oh, I only have half an hour. It's not worth turning on the heater and waiting and doing this and doing that. No, you've got to remove those barriers um, so that you can do it. And sometimes you only have 30 minutes. So... I um, talked a lot about not feeling guilty, so I'm going to skip that point. Uh, I I wanted to say, too, that, you know, I think I'm a pretty good cook. I'm not a great brewer, but whether it's cooking or brewing or reading or or whatever, uh, you know, whatever, two years ago, or reading whatever two years ago. Sorry, my notes are confusing me. What I'm trying to say with this is that, you know, I just, I didn't start yesterday doing it, right? I mean, I've been doing it consistently, specifically cooking and and things for a long time. So to expect that, you know, what I'm going to produce on this table might be, quote, museum worthy, probably isn't the case. I have been doing woodworking, but it's all, all been sort of, plywood knockdown kind of more shop based utilitarian type stuff and what I'm also what I'm trying to say is it takes years of practice to get good you don't just start with your first project and and have it you know be perfect if that's so hang it up and be done right um also, I think it's important to note that I forget things when I don't do them enough. So I use I put an example in here. I think I can do things well, uh, for instance, trim. But I had been a long it had been a long time since I had done trim, and when I did the apartment a couple of years ago, I mismeasured the overall dimension uh, of the casing around the door with the miter. And so the, the side trim on the, on the jam sides of the door came out short by probably like a quarter of an inch. 
Now, I could have fixed that by getting a new piece and repainting it and all that stuff, but the truth is, is unless you really know that it's there, you don't notice it. Now, I notice it because I know I made that mistake and it irritates me every time. Uh, maybe I'll do a, a, an entry on how to measure for miters so that you can get them properly cut, but... My point being there was that I just left it because it was good enough and it looked fine and it was just the apartment. <laughs> I might have felt differently if it was my home, but uh, I, I once again, I don't think it was a big deal because it, it looks okay and if you don't know, you don't notice it. So certainly it was better than the garbage that was up there all smashed and chipped and everything as it were so uh what i'm trying to say is that you know i forget things when i do don't do things routinely uh with home projects or woodworking or any of the things that i do like reloading for instance i uh, i've gotten a lot better than with my beginning ones like when i was first reloading a certain caliber small rifle caliber um, I was, I was having a lot of failures and a lot of issues and I just learned from additional research and so forth that, um, there are tricks, there are different tools that can be used. And a lot of those issues have been reduced by just augmenting some of my practices and tools and researching and practice in general. So with that, that's been my podcast about nothing. I think hopefully you caught the flow that I needed to fill my time. We started with Black Friday. I had some time there because we didn't go shopping. And then I went into doing something for myself and keep practicing to do better. So this has been Brandon with Alta4.co. Remember to end your programming and do things that matter.